At the preamble, the Al-Anon preamble a few minutes ago, I read the sentence, we believe alcoholism is a family illness and that changed attitudes can aid recovery. For a number of years after I came into Al-Anon, I read that as if it said, can aid the recovery of the alcoholic. (laughs) That isn't what it says at all. But it was a while, not before anyone told me, but before I heard, that Al-Anon promises personal freedom, personal recovery. It is a family illness and therapy is available for the entire family. One of the advantages of having a variety of people, and the AA Big Book says, does it not, that we are people who would not ordinarily have mixed, is that if you listen long enough, you will hear your story. Everyone has a different vantage point from which to speak. And I have uh, no desire to tell Betty's story, but I met her that time in Midland when Norm was out there. And um, when I found I was going to be introducing her at this conference, I got hold of the tape and listened so I would feel that I knew her a little better. She came into Al-Anon a while after Norm had been in AA, which um, is different from the way some of us did it. But I think adds emphasis to the idea that uh, recovery is available any time. God is often slow, but never late. Would you welcome Betty to Dallas, please? Hi, everyone. My name is Betty, and I'm a member of Al-Anon. And I uh, grew up in a lovely family, and I found my Prince Charming, and I rode off into the sunset. (laughs) That's my story, but you don't believe that, do you? (laughs) I, uh, I came here late, as she told you, and my story goes back uh, a long way. For those of you who are new here, let me tell you that I know what it's like to be frightened. I know what it's like to be lonely, and I know what it's like to be full of guilt, because that's the way I was for a long, long time. And I fought it for a long, long time. But I found Al-Anon when I was supposed to find Al-Anon. I know that now. My father and mother had me when uh, they were in their late 30s and early 40s. And when I came into the family, they had already had two boys. I, uh, my father was a full-blown alcoholic. And uh, as a lot of you probably know, if you have children... There are those of us who react to everything that goes on around, of, around us and those, of, those who do not. They seem to be kind of steady and level. Well, I was one of those who reacted very strongly, and I don't remember that my brothers ever re- reacted, but I surely did. I reacted to this father of mine. He was a wonderful Irishman, and I loved him a lot. I really did. But I also hated him with a passion that I can tell you was just something terrible, a churning in my stomach when he drank. And um, I remember for years my mother always said, well, I paid for you, you know. <laughs> so she, he was drunk when I was born, you know. And so, you know, I always had that hanging there and um, a few other things. And whenever I was bad, they always said I was just like Dad, you know, so I didn't have a very good opinion of Betty. But I, uh, I grew up, uh, as I say, uh, with this fear of uh, and uh, frustration of my dad and his drinking and my mother and her problems, and I reacted to whatever they did. But I also was one who hid 
very much all of my own feelings. I put on this big facade. I was always this happy-go-lucky kid without a brain in her head. That was the way I reacted to everybody outside, laughing, you know, and kidding and everything, and nobody really knew how I felt inside. And I can identify with a teenager who was afraid to bring his or her friends home because they don't know what dad's going to be like. You don't know whether dad's going to be drunk or not, and it's very embarrassing, and it's, you know. So I was very frightened of drinking, of alcoholism. Um, I knew uh, how alcoholics drank, you know, because when um, dad drank, we never had booze in the house. Now, we were not teetotalers, and the only reason we never had booze in the house because whenever it was any booze in the house, dad drank it up. So then you didn't have any booze in the house in between the times that he brought it in. And he always, whatever he brought in, he drank it up, you know, until it was gone, you know, right away. It wasn't just a glass after meals or anything like that. And Dad always went to the corner, and the corner was the local bar. Um, Mother always said, Dad's at the corner. And, and we never discussed anything about his drinking in the house, but periodically Mom would say, you know, oh, gosh, you know, as I later did, got to get out of this, you know, I mean, yeah, wanting to leave, and that would upset me because I didn't want her to leave my dad. And um, as I got into my teens, I, as I say, became very afraid of drinking and of alcoholism and afraid that I was like my dad, and so I did not want to drink. I was afraid to drink. So as I went to the teenage parties, uh, they had drinking there, and I didn't drink. And I remember I was 17, and I was at a party, and this little girl who was new coming to the party said, I don't drink and I don't smoke. What will I do? And I said, don't worry about it. I don't either, and I get along fine. The ne next time she saw me at the end of the party was I was smoking and drunk. I had, uh, I had decided to try it, and I didn't drink too well. I have to tell you that. I... Um, I drank and loved what it did to me. I identify there. Oh, boy. I became the prettiest, the cutest, the sharpest, and the best of the crowd. But the problem with me was I had, I became sick, and I had terrible remorse, awful remorse. Norm used to say I, nobody had the remorse that I did, you know. So I didn't do it too often. And, uh, and I just hated myself when I did because I felt I was being like my dad. So uh, I also found out one other thing about me. I tried to take care of the situation. I tried to take care of my problem father. Now, my brothers never fought with my dad, and he never fought with them. My mother never fought with my dad, and she never fought with him. I fought with my dad, and he whacked me around. And we had battles royal until one time when I was in my, I uh, was 18, and he, uh, mother said, maybe, Betty, you better move out because she actually was afraid that something violent might happen between me and my father. About that time, Dad was drinking pretty bad. My brother had been killed in the war. And I don't know about you people, but nobody is as sad about things that happen than an alcoholic. That was another thing that used to just burn me. Because Daddy suffered so over losing his son. You know, Mom lost her son, and I lost my brother and everything, but Dad suffered. So Dad drank, and Dad got drunk, and um, he went through a period where he really got quite bad. I remember he was um, going to the corner, and then pretty soon he was taking a taxi to the corner, and then pretty soon the taxi was bringing the booze to the house, and he wasn't getting out of bed. And... Um, at this particular time, I went in there to see. First, he called me into the bedroom, and he said, Betty, please help me. 
And I didn't know what to do. I'm sure that he was really crying for help, and I did not know what to do. I didn't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't know anything about any alcoholism. I didn't know anything other than the fact that he was a drunk. And uh, it upset me when he was drunk. But he always held his job. He always went to work every day, except through different uh, periods where he would, you know, get real bad like he was then. Well, that went on, and I moved out, and uh, I had a career planned out for me. I happened to get a scholarship and things were looking pretty good for Betty and Betty was going to go places. But Betty still had a lot of hang-ups and a lot of problems. And I had them all my life and I've known this all my life. I have known that I have been, um, I'm a, I was a person who had extreme highs and extreme lows. I was either, you know, very exhilarant and then I would think, oh God, they all hate me, you know, and I would get real down low and I was, you know, just not right in that respect and that bothered me I knew that I didn't uh, I didn't like the way I acted I didn't like me and that's what it all comes down to I really did not like Betty and I was frightened and about the time I was 20 a man came into my life and we started to date and the first date we had he said to me I want to tell you something before anybody else tells you Um, he said I just got out of jail Now, that should have been a clue, (laughs) but it wasn't. I thought, oh, my goodness, isn't that wonderful? He's so honest, that poor man. (laughs) Three months later, we were engaged to be married the following. This was in November, and the following August, we were to be married. And uh, by January, I was trying to give him back his ring, let me tell you. We were going to parties, and this guy was such an ass you wouldn't believe. (laughs) Boy, I used to get so upset, and I'd find people to take me home, you know, and God, and of course, you know, I'm so sorry, you know, all that bit started way back then. And he'd, you know, put on the third act and the tears, you know, and then he'd get down on his knee and, you know, so back we go to get engaged to be, you know, we're going to get married in August. Well, this went on, and about July, now the invitations are ready to go out. The wedding dress is in the process of being made, and it's my birthday. And he comes home just soused, you know. He's not even around on it, and, and that night, I mean, I finally find him. You know, he comes around, and he's just a mess, you know. And I thought, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. I am not going to marry this man. I don't care if the invitations are out, and I don't care if the wedding dress is in the process of being made. I am le- I'm not going to go through this, you know. Some kind of insanity came into my ha- mind. But I didn't plan on what happened. He had a kicker. Uh, He begged and pleaded, and then uh, his mother said, um, what will become of him if you don't marry him? (laughs) And so on August the 16th, I met my father to walk down the aisle, and his breath knocked me over, and I met my husband-to-be at the altar, and his breath knocked me over. And we went on to uh, bigger and better things up in Lake Tahoe. He happened to have a friends that owned a hotel up there. <clears throat> and that guy is well on his way of dying from not making the program, poor soul, today. But uh, anyway, they were uh, really having a time up there. And you know what he even did? We were in this... There were two college boys that were cleaning the rooms, and they became buddies on us. Now, this is our honeymoon, Okay. They came in at noon with booze. You know, you had the morning drink. I couldn't believe it, you know. 
Anyway, I used to, uh, I tried to get Norm to give me money to come home, and he was hiding behind trees, and it was really neat. So uh, we were in the bar, and uh, he was down at the end having his uh, fun, and uh, the bartender took pity on me, and he said, uh, Betty, for every uh, shot you will drink, I'll buy. Well, <clears throat> the next thing Norm knew, I was down at the other end of the bar singing and having a ball, and I immediately got taken to the room. And... Um, the next morning, I had a ridge here from the toilet seat. I'm, as I say, I wasn't too successful at drinking. And we came back home to start over. Many, many starting over. I uh, was such a good little thing. I put on my apron and fixed the first meal, and he came home from work, and I raced out to greet him, and he fell in my arms, and that was the last time I ever greeted him at the door. I say now that I am very, very fortunate because we had eight years of hell, fast, booming hell. Norm was not a drinker like my father. He was a very wild and woolly drunk. Of course, he had a darling wife who was so sweet and good to him. But um, anyway, we fought terrible, as he told you. <clears throat> I, was, I told you, I don't do too well with drunks. I don't get along too well with them. My stomach churned, and I felt the same way that I did with my dad. And we, uh, he wanted children, and I didn't, and so we had them right away. And um, um, I remember the first child um, was born, and I left her with my mother, and um, because Norm was very bad one night, uh, and one uh, we went, we were up at his parents, and he and his dad were having a terrible fight, and his mother called the doctor, and the doctor came up and gave Norm a shot and knocked him out, <clears throat> and then the doctor turned and looked at me. Now I'm just skin and bone, poor soul. And he said, I'm not worried about anybody, but I'm sure worried about her. And I thought, oh, God, he noticed me, you know. So he said, I want to see both of you in my office on Monday morning. So I thought, oh, good, somebody's going to fix it. I don't know about you, but I was always looking for somebody to fix it. Make it right, you know. God, do something. So um, we went to see the doctor, and we sat there for an hour. And I kid you not that when we left that doctor's office, I apologize to both Norm and the doctor for causing Norman's drinking. <laughs> and I believed it. And I don't know why. But anyway, that's the way it went. And so then we had some more kids, and um, Norm was drinking worse, and uh, I was very busy about that time. Um, I didn't tell anybody about my alcoholic problem. Uh, I told you I hid a lot from everybody about myself. I um, never let anybody know about how I felt real down deep inside. And when somebody asks you to talk in Al-Anon, I think it's, I'm not adverse to talking in public. I am not adverse to speaking. It doesn't bother me in the least. But when you talk about your own personal feelings and the way you feel and the way things that happen to you personally, it's rough. It's really rough. But every time I've done it, something good has happened. And uh, so, and they say in Al-Anon and they say in AA, when they ask you to do something, you do it. And that's why I'm here. So um, anyway, um, thing, I didn't talk to anybody about it and I hid in my house as things got worse and worse and worse. And I had my usual marvelous uh, outfit on. I had an old baggy shirt and a pair of dirty old Levi's and my hair. Uh, I was a lot younger in those days, so I didn't look quite so bad, but it wasn't combed or nothing. You know, I didn't keep myself up very well. And my mother even said to me, uh, you know, maybe Norm wouldn't drink so much if you'd clean up a little bit. 
And I said, what for? He doesn't see me anyway, you know. And uh, I was very upset over that. I, I thought that was a really nasty thing to do. I also did a lot of things. I uh, washed clothes. I was the greatest clothes washer you ever saw in your life. Everything was clean in my house. Nothing was put away. My living room couch was like a mound of clothes. Sometimes I even put them in, you know, dampened them and put them in the refrigerator and they, you know, oh, crack. Anyway, uh, nothing ever got done. When you're busy as I was, smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee, and walking the floor looking for my drunk, you don't have time to do a lot of these things. You can put clothes in the washing machine and you can put them, you know, hang them up on that. I used to hang those at night so no, the neighbors wouldn't see them. I didn't want to see the neighbors. And I, uh, my poor little darlings, I don't know how they even survived because I used to shake those little kids until their eyes, you know, uh, you know, you wonder, what, you know, look what you're doing to the children, I'd say to Norm, you know. <laughs> they weren't even there, you know. And, uh, and uh, it, you know, it was just a real mess, a real wild mess. And we were continually starting over. He would come home and he would get sober and then he would, uh, you know, and then you get the whip out, you know, and you mop that floor and, you know, do a few things around the place. He's got to get in on the good side and, boy, that's the time to get your licks in, I'll tell you. So uh, uh, that didn't do any good. And so we went to the show one night to see uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. We had the dog and the kids. And he said, you know what I really need, Betty, is another child. If you have another child, why, well, I'll get sober. That's what's wrong. And I'm as nutty as he is. I believe him. And... Uh, so um, three days later, I was pregnant and he was drunk, but uh, that didn't work. So we went on um, down our merry road of starting over. God, I tell you, there's nothing worse than starting over. I used to sit him down and I'd say, okay, no, now what happened? You know, what did you do before you took the drink? How did you do, or, you know, how did you do this? You know, and he'd say, I don't know how I did it. I just got drunk, you know. And I would say, well, there's got to be a reason. And uh, it's frustrating and it's, it, it's very confusing, and you don't know what to do. It's, you know, I used to pray to God, you know, please get me out of this mess, do something. The next day I'm still there, and I think you didn't do it. I'm still here. And so, you know, I used to think, God, I, I wanted a big sign, you know, come down and say, it's okay. But nothing happened. I went to church. I went to the first Fridays. I went to several Fridays in a row. I did all these things, you know, and nothing worked. And I'd say, you didn't do it. And, you know, for a long time, I didn't believe that he did it, you know. But I know now that these prayers help. I know the prayers that all of us say for the alcoholic or for any of our loved ones or for ourselves. They work. They help. But, it, you know, you don't know what that at the time. You think, God, it's not working, God. You know, show me a sign. And it, he didn't show me a sign. So it got worse, and, and finally it got to the point where um, we had... Um, we moved out of this neighborhood, and I made him build a house up on a hill, and uh, we'd gotten a little money because his parents had died. And uh, that, so, you know, he was drinking it up, so I figured, you know, you better put this money into something. I was nutty, but I don't know how I did that. I still don't. I look back at some of the things that happened, and I, I don't really know how I did it because I'm going to tell you something. I don't know whether any of you have ever had this, but I've had blackouts, cold, sober blackouts, where I don't know where I've been, and I don't know what I've done, and that's frightening. You think it's frightening, guys, when it's, or gals, when you drink. Let me tell you, it's real frightening when you ain't drinking. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, but, but we're saying, you know, there's not a darn thing wrong with us. And um, 
So about this time, uh, as I say, we moved into this house, and uh, we were going out with these neighbors next door that evening, and uh, she was standing outside uh, in the backyard and I, with me, and I was talking, and in comes this little red car with this little man in it, and he came reeling around in front of us into the house, and I said, well, that's it. There he is. That's it. He's a drunk. And she said, well, why don't you call AAA? And I said, uh, what's that? And she said, well, I saw... Um, come back little Sheba and they said something about this Alcoholics Anonymous and, and why don't you call him and I said he's not an alcoholic he's just an old drunk <laughs> well she insisted so I called him and it was the best thing I ever did in my life because this man helped me more than anything else in the world he told me exactly what was going on and um, there are two things he said to me uh, first of all he did say that he would not call on my husband unless he called himself and asked for help they didn't do it in those days, and that was the way it was supposed to be. But he told me, he would tell me as much as I, you know, I, would, I told him all these things that Norm did, and he said, I'm going to tell you two things. Number one, you do not get him drunk. And number two, you're not going to get him sober. So um, I took that, and I said, well, what should I do? You know, should I tell him? And he said, oh, sure, tell him about it. But he said, we won't call on him unless he calls himself. And I said, but my God, this man is chasing me around the house with knives and guns. And he said, there's Gavin Bradbury chasing his wife around with a hatchet. <laughs> so, of course, the minute Norm got up, I said to him, and I can still see him there standing there in the kitchen, and I said, <clears throat> I know where you could go. And he said, where? And I said, Alcoholics Anonymous. And he said, I am no damned alcoholic. And I said, yes, you are, under my breath. Anyway, uh, it wasn't too long after that that he came home one time on one of his tears. I was dressed in my marvelous dress. I had put um, an outfit, you know, I told you about. I looked so good. And um, I put a roast on um, to cook, and he'd come home, and this... I wish I could make amends to this poor man who brought him home. I have no idea who it was. Some man who found him in a bar. And somebody else had followed this guy home, and he drove Norm's car home, and Norm reeled into the house, and I stood there. And I let this man have it. Boy, did I let him have it. I called this guy every name in the book, and I couldn't believe I said those things. I could not believe it. Afterwards, I thought, my God, what's happening to me? So then we did the usual thing. We all ran outside and waited till Norm passed out. The kids and I peeked in the windows, and he got the roast out of the raw and was chopping it up on the stove, <clears throat> on the table. He was sitting there at the table chopping this roast and passed out. So the kids, the, they get all get together and get their stuff and get, you know, it's a routine. You know, we go to mother's. And um, they got him in the car, and I got in, and I uh, put the roast in the refrigerator. And then I picked up the knife, <clears throat> meat nuts, you know, I didn't want to ruin the roast on so I put it away, and I picked up the knife, and as I came across his back, I had an honest desire to, uh, to end it all. I had done this uh, in my mind a lot. I used to bury my father, and I buried Norm. It was the easiest way to handle the whole situation. I didn't worry about him anymore. And uh, uh, so I went to, uh, and this scared the hell out of me. I thought, my God, what's happening to me? And I put the knife away, and I went and got in the car, and it started right away, thank God, and we backed out and took off for Mother's. And uh, as I'm driving into pa Pasadena, it was like a big weight had lifted off my shoulders. I knew what I was going to do. I had, I had a job to do. I had these kids. Um, somebody had to take care of them. And I was losing my mind. And, um, and I was frightened of Norm. And um, 
all of a sudden it just was, you know, I, I, I'm not going to get him sober. I can't afford him anymore. I could not afford him anymore. And I had a form of sanity, and I, it was just like I knew what I had to do. I had to take care of those kids. And I told that to Norm. Now, I have told, left him many times, and he left me. But this time, he knew it as well as I knew it. We had gone our road, and I left him. And fortunately for us, shortly after that, Norm found the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. We got back together again, and I would say I, we rode off into the sunset. But we didn't, because Betty had more problems to deal with. Betty. Norm got into the program, and Norm got very popular in the program. He had a gift to carry the message, and I've always been very proud of that. But I also, um, when we went to Alcoholics Anonymous, I absolutely loved it. I loved that program. I really did. I loved the people, and I loved the program, and the darling AAs used to say, go out and get drunk, Betty, and come in the front door, and I said, I'd never make it. I'd never make it. Because I knew deep down in my heart I just could never face myself being that way. I could never look at Betty. I could never look at Betty. I always put that garbage down inside of me. I always put that stuff away. Don't look at yourself. You know, if I did, it depressed the hell out of me. I took the fifth step one time, almost died. I, oh, what a terrible person I am. And uh, as he became popular, I became more uh, of a recluse. I uh, I did not... Um, um, I didn't go to Al-Anon. I went to one meeting, and I told Norm that they were a bunch of biddies who uh, were like a bridge club, and I didn't like women anyway, and he said, you don't need to go. And so I didn't go. And I, as Al-Anon started to grow, there were a lot of darling people, Norm, uh, babies of Norms who came to the program, and their wives went to Al-Anon, and they'd say, come on, Betty, go to Al-Anon. And I'd say, no way, I don't need it. If I was married to somebody like you, I'd go too, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, I just said I didn't need it. I didn't want any part of it because I didn't know how to handle it. I was frightened uh, to get too deep within Betty. And I used to tell, uh, when I'd get mad at Norm at home, I'd say, by God, I'm going to go down and tell all those people just what a kind of a guy you really are. And I used to make fights happen with my kids and with Norm because I was, uh, I was so miserable inside. And then I'd be okay. As I told you, I had a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And um, I'd go places, and I'd feel real good about it, and I'd leave, and I'd think, God, they don't like me. You know, it was a dumb thing. You know, I know that now. But uh, that was the way I was. And so the, I went down the road, and, um, oh, it was um, 14 years ago. No, for Norm was not 14 years ago. It was 12 years ago, and Norm was uh, going to Rio Doza Downs to speak, and I was going with him to a convention. And my mother uh, had a heart attack and uh, was put in the hospital. And I, of course, was taking care of it. I don't know about you, but I took care of everybody in my family. I always did. And um, I managed uh, to do that. And um, so um, we put my mother in the hospital. And you know what happens when uh, the mice, the cat's away, the mice will play. And I called my dad about 10 o'clock in the morning. And guess what? He's 84 years old, and he's drunk as a skunk. And I am so mad. My stomach is churning, and I am just angry. And about that time, my darling, I don't know why he walked in the door, because he was supposed to be at work, came in the house, took the phone from this babbling idiot, calmed my dad down, calmed me down, and went back to work. 
I went in to see my mother at two in the afternoon, and my father, they call me from downstairs to call her room and to tell me that he's down there in the emergency because he'd fallen and cut open his head, and they'd sewed him up, and I could take him home now. And I am just furious. Boy, am I mad. And I go out to get in my car, and who's there but my darling husband? And he takes us, both me, and he puts the babbling uh, wife in the car who was swearing like a trooper at her father and her father swearing like a trooper at his daughter and we're going up to my uh, to his home and uh, I immediately called my brother up north and said you've got to come down and get dad because mother's coming home from the hospital and I won't be in town to take care of her and dad's drunk so I shipped dad off to up north now he's 84 years old I've been to Alcoholics Anonymous for 14 years and I got all kinds of compassion and understanding for this man I treated him like a two year old and he is so mad at me he won't even speak to me we go off to Rio Doza Downs and these darling Al-Anons meet me and they say what kind of meeting do you go to and I said um, I don't go to Al-Anon I go to AA and this gal says uh, <clears throat> well I hope you don't have to find that like I did and I thought what's her problem and then she said, uh, she gave a talk, and she said that she had, um, her husband had had a heart attack, and she couldn't cope. And I thought, huh, huh. you know, that's ridiculous. Well, I came back from Riadoza Downs, and um, it was about May. Uh, it was the holiday, and Nora must have been playing golf because I was feeling very sorry for myself. And whenever he had a good time, I felt sorry for myself. And um, my dad called, and I was crying. Now, my dad hadn't spoken to me when... He came since he'd come back, and uh, so I, um, I said, uh, he said, "What's the matter, Betty?" And I said, "I don't know what's the matter, Daddy." And he was so upset that his little girl was crying that we became friends, and God took care of that for me too, because um, he we had a chance to hug and kiss, and uh, he died on uh, June the tenth of that year, and I'm forever grateful that uh, I don't have that hanging over my head. Well, I went merrily down my way because I was heading for destruction because I was a one woman. I was so wrapped up in managing and running and I couldn't cope all of a sudden. I mean, I things weren't going right. Things weren't happening. And I, on September of that year, I ended up, about so frightened and so afraid more so than I'd ever been when Norm was drinking and I didn't know how to handle it and I didn't know what to do and I went to the doctor and they did something real great for me they gave me um, tranquilizers you know you're hanging on to the world like this and you can't cope and then they give you tranquilizers and you just let go <laughs> it didn't do a thing and I, uh, I went with Norm wherever he went. I was so scared to be left alone, and I'd say, Help me. You've helped everybody else. Why can't you help me? And he didn't know what to do, poor soul. And uh, we went to an, an AA meeting, and there was a woman there who uh, had used to, God, hit me all the time about going to Al-Anon. She was an absolutely gorgeous woman when she went into Al-Anon, and she became crippled from arthritis, and she was in a wheelchair, and she was more beautiful than I had ever known her to be because of her program of alcoholics of Al-Anon. And I said, she said, Betty, what's the matter with you? And I said, Norma, I don't know. With you, and I said, Norma, I don't know. And she said, Come on, let's go to some meetings. And I started going down on. And it was like going to AA, you know. And I went, and I had enough AA that I knew that you stayed, and so I stayed. And time passed, and I started getting well. 
And if you've ever been to the point where you think you're losing your mind, it's frightening. It's very frightening. And I think it was two years before I had any real faith in myself. And I said to Norm, God, how did you put up with me? And he said, Betty, what did you do for me? You know, he was so neat. My mother didn't know what to do with me. Nobody knew what to do with me, but I got through it. And thanks to Al-Anon, I finally found myself. And I found out what my problem was, and I found out what my stumbling block was. I used to hear this prayer, the serenity prayer. And every at one meeting in AA, they had it on one big wall. It's in San Gabriel. And people would point to that and say, that's a wonderful prayer. Well, see, I never wanted you to know that I didn't understand that prayer, so I'd say, yeah, it's a wonderful prayer. And I would say to myself, what does it mean? I couldn't understand it. I could not figure it out. And you know what? I didn't know what was in there. It said, I finally found that now in my periods of growth. It says, accept the things you cannot change. I didn't know. I thought, you had to change it all. You had to change it. What couldn't you change? There was nothing you couldn't change. You know, I was raised on the theory the Lord helps those who help themselves. Now I believe that. The Lord helps those who help themselves. And I help it as far as I can. And when I can't do it anymore, I turn it over to him and I say, here, you take it. I can't do it anymore. And then I go on my way. But I didn't know that at that time. I did not understand it. And it took me a long time before I finally saw that. And each thing that's happened to me has been really neat. Um, we went to um, the desert here a while back. Um, Norm and I, we've got all these kids and we have a trailer. And so we've been going periodically at Thanksgiving out to the desert. And um, God, it's just been so, you know, great. Okay, uh, a year ago, Thanksgiving, the two of us went out to the desert and we had none of the kids wanted to go. They said, no way, we're not going to the desert with you guys. You go ahead and go. And so we did. And we had an absolute marvelous time. We cooked the turkey in the trailer, and, geez, we just had a ball, just Norm and I. And you know what happened? The kids had a terrible time, and they all came out with us this year. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> anyway, I don't know why I even said that, but it was just something I was thinking about, those darling kids, and about how grateful I am about my life today. I really am, because I've come so far. It's taken me so long. I told you it took me a long time to get where I did. And when I finally started finding Al-Anon, I used to say, why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long? The speaker you've got next uh, tomorrow night uh, used to hit me up. Oh, she's one that used to be on my back all the time. God, I used to hate her. (laughs) And... uh, and, uh, you know, and they were always so, you know, oh, well, uh, we'll wait for you, you know, and that used to just burn me. <laughs> and, um, and I, you, you know, you, I learned to start liking myself. I remember going to meetings, and I would leave them, and I would say, they like me. I know they like me, and I'd tell myself all the way home that they like me. <laughs> and that may seem strange to some of you people, uh, but that's just the way I was. I just had such a opinion of myself. I had such a low esteem, and I don't have that anymore. God, I think I'm neat. I don't care whether you think so or not. I do. (laughs) And um, I've learned to do a lot of things. I mean, it's just great. Uh, Norm and my son started this business. (laughs) And guess who they got as a flunky in there? He tells you I didn't work, but let me tell you, I've been working for two years like a fool. And I'm working for those two idiots, and that's a lot of test of tolerance. But... um, It's just fantastic, the things I found out that I can do. 
I have found out that I can do anything I want to do. And I'm not afraid to try anything anymore. You know, we used to, we went to Hawaii to a convention one year and I sat in the bedroom waiting for Norm to wake up because I was afraid to go out by myself. Now, I don't know if any of you Al-Anons have been that way, but that's the way I was. And I don't care now. I can go out and leave him here. I can go run. I can do anything I want to do. And if, God willing, something should happen that I would be alone, I know that I can do it. And I got all of that from Al-Anon. I found out that I can be anybody I want to be. You know, my kids were raised with the attitude that Daddy is great. You know, I always did that. I was a martyr Mary from the word go. God. Never bought myself anything, you know. We had a meeting in Al-Anon one time, and um, uh, we all got to talking about our... It was all females, and we all got to talk about our underwear. And I don't know if you Al-Anons are like we were, but we had little rubber bands that ran around our stomachs, and then with the panties kind of just came around. We were all going to meet at the lingerie section that next day because we were all going to buy something good for ourselves, you know. I always gave, oh, God, did I give, you know, and that's hell to live with somebody like that, you know. Really, I feel sorry for the alcoholic has to put up with a martyr. Gee, you know, my mother was like that, and I hated it. I think I hated her more than I did my dad, you know, and that's bad. And my kids used to lie to me all the time, and so did Norm, you know. I'd open up the trunk, and he'd have a new golf shoes, new golf clubs. She didn't tell me. Sneak everything in the house, you know. And it used to just make me so mad, and I'd say, Why do you all lie to me? And Norm says, Because we can't stand your wrath. Now, isn't that awful? That's a terrible way to live, to be so perfect, because you couldn't be not perfect. I tried so hard to be perfect. And my mother came to live with us, and she stayed, and Norm said, you know, we've got to take her in because she did for us all the time, and she always did whenever we needed help. God knows we needed it when we came to the program. We didn't have a pot to pee in. And she gave us money, and she bought us groceries, my, she and my dad. And my dad used to babysit for me, when, and, uh, and they were real good people to us. And um, so we brought my mother in, and she lived with us for five years, and I almost went out of my cotton picket head, and I went to Al-Anon, and I played golf, and I walked the streets, and I got well. And I got better. My mother said to me, I didn't know you were so moody. And I said, Mother, if you're going to live here, you've got to put up with me. You've got to accept me the way I am. And she said, Oh, yes, you're very much like your dad. <laughs> anyway, it was neat. It really was. Our younger children, we have them after AA, too. Um, they got a great deal from having Grandma live there. They really did. She taught them to do a lot of things. She taught them uh, all kinds of things to... Uh, to do and she she was a fantastic woman she was 87 when she died and she could still uh, thread a needle without her glasses I you know fascinating woman and uh, she was a, a really great gal and uh, the last uh, few months were pretty bad and uh, the last week before she died um, she was she was pretty bad um, I had had her in and out of the doctors and uh, they said she was okay and the doctor said, you know how she is, Betty. She can rally right back and she could just come right back and be just real great. So um, at this time we were supposed to go to Minnesota and Norm and I were going to share and um, I have to, uh, I didn't know what to do. I really didn't know what to do. I, I thought I can't leave her. This was, we were leaving Friday morning and I thought I can't leave her. I just can't go. There's no way I can leave this poor woman. I bathed her and, and tried to comfort her as best I could. It was about midnight. 
And I went to bed thinking, I just can't go. And I woke up about 5 o'clock in the morning with a terrible migraine headache. And when I got one of those, it was in for good, you know, and that was it. But um, all of a sudden, I heard something. Now, I had been trying and trying to find my God. I had been trying. I was one of those. I told you I knelt in church, and I thought the big light should come down and say, here I am. And it didn't do it. And, um, and I just had a heck of a time. Norm always had a beautiful relationship with his higher power. My kids did too. But Betty just couldn't finally quite get it. And um, all of a sudden I heard something within me say, if you stay, you'll be running the show. But if you go, I'll be running the show. Now, our son was working in Minnesota at the time, so we were going to spend some time with him. And off we went to Minnesota. And um, Saturday night, I uh, we got a call. And... Uh, my son-in-law called and said that Grandma had passed away sitting in her chair. And it was okay. Uh, we were three, my son and my husband and I were together and my children were together and, and it was just really neat. It was, um, it was okay. Mother went peacefully. She went where she wanted to go. And I could accept that. But I can remember a time when I would have been filled with guilt and I knew that God had put me where he wanted me to be. And I'm glad for that. And that's where I found my God. I still fight it. I walk the floor sometimes when my uh, older ones are out. And I and I hear him say, go to bed. And I say, well, just a little bit longer. But I'm learning. Our son was home from college. And um, uh, Norm was up. And uh, I was up periodically. He didn't come in. And um, I had made the mistake of leaving a light on. And I... And all of a sudden, I was up and I thought, what have I got this light on? Turn the light off and forgot he was even there, you know. And uh, and this is what you have to do. You just have to forget that they're there, you know. And, and uh, God will take care of them. And uh, Norm said, what? God darn it, if he's, if he's going to come home here, he's going to have to live somewhere else. i got to get my sleep, you know. <laughs> and I said, no, we'll just turn the light out and we won't realize he's not in. And that's the way we kind of do it. And, and uh, I think Norm and I have got... Uh, a happiness together that we've never had before. And I can't tell you the wonderful things that have happened to us, but there have been many. There's been a, a closeness between he and I since I've come down on I believe. We've always been close, but we've gotten much closer. Um, we share everything together, and yet we have our alone times too, and that's important too. I think each person should be individual within themselves. He's no longer my God. I said that to him one day driving along in the car. I said... You're no longer my God. He looked at me like I was nuts. I think he probably thought that's terrible. I always have been. Why not now? Anyway, I want to thank all of you for asking us both to come. I thoroughly enjoy myself. I always do in Texas, and God bless all of you. Thank you, Betty. You too have a gift for carrying the message. In closing, I would like to say that the opinions expressed here were strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. The things you heard were spoken in confidence and should be treated as confidential. Keep them within the walls of this room and the confines of your mind. A few special words to those of you who haven't been with us long. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If you try to keep an open mind, you will find help. You will come to realize that there is no situation too difficult to be bettered and no unhappiness too great to be lessened. We aren't perfect. 
The welcome we give you may not show the warmth we have in our hearts for you. After a while, you'll discover that though you may not like all of us, you'll love us in a very special way, the same way we already love you. Talk to each other. Reason things out with someone else. But let there be no gossip or criticism of one another. Instead, let the understanding, love, and peace of the program grow in you one day at a time. Will all who care to join me in the closing prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Thank you.